Let's pray. Dear God, the pugwash factor. We live with it night and day. Now more than ever, we live with it. A new generation on this planet, we live with it. So what does it mean for us? How then shall we live? Speak through Holy Scripture this morning. Convict our minds. Engage our hearts. Call us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. My friend Melchizedek Ponaya shared the story with me this summer. Diana Kim, Korean-American, born in Honolulu, Hawaii, wouldn't she like to be born there? But born into a messed-up family. Her parents fighting, finally separate. Her dad leaves. She's five years old. It's amazing this girl survived childhood. That, that, that really is the, is the bright side of this. She's, she survives childhood. She survives her teenage years. Enrolls in law school. She becomes a lawyer. She blends her passion for photography with law and advocacy. She wants to pull and push for the homeless. One day in Honolulu, she's down doing a photo shoot, working on a project that would become the, which, what would be called the homeless paradise. And she begins shooting a series of pictures on a stranger she met, a homeless uh, individual. And as you're going to see, she was able to capture in her pictures the plight and the despair of the homeless with her artistic craft. All right? So she finishes the photo shoot. She goes home. She's doing the Photoshop now with her pictures. Put it on the screen, please. And so here you have one of the homeless. You look at that picture, the utter futility of this nameless homeless victim of mental illness, the baggy eyes. You see the baggy eyes closed. You see the oily, straggly hair, the, 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 the scarred, dirty, crusted skin. And obviously, once, what was once a nice, you know, nice shirt is just ripped and torn, misbuttoned, covering limply his bony chest. And the more she worked this photograph and stared at it, the more agitated she became. And finally, she grabbed her camera. She raced back down to Honolulu to find the man whose picture she had been taking. And sure enough, she finds him sitting on a concrete bench. That's that next picture right there. She, she walks up to the man and she begins to quiz him with questions. His, his answers are amazing. She has just met her father she has not seen since the age of five. Unbelievable. Unforgettable. And, you know, in an age where good news stories are so rare, this one went viral. Their story, her story. And then she posted this picture. I love it. Take a look at this. Father and daughter. Isn't that something? I mean, please. Sounds like the mission you and I have been given, doesn't it? Come on. Didn't somebody come to us and command us? I want you to go and find the lost for me because when you do, you will find your own family. Am I pushing this one too far? I don't think so. Open your Bible with me to the mission articulated in red-letter words, five different passages, five separate books, boom, 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 boom. Obviously, this was not an afterthought to Jesus who spoke these red-letter words. Let's start, let, let's just deal with them in order. Matthew, open your Bible to Matthew. You know the first book of the, of the New Testament. Go to the last page of the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, I'll be in the NIV. Any Bible that you bring to worship is fine by me. We have the Pew Bible, of course. You can find it there on page 672 if you want to track along. But I want to, I want to fly by these. Five iterations from the same one. That's why the words are in red. This is Matthew chapter 5. Let's pick it up 
um, sorry, Matthew chapter 28. Let's pick it up in verse 18. Then Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. The mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The mission. Just some little obscure afterthought before he whisks back to heaven. Apparently not. Go to the last page of the Gospel of Mark. So that's the next book. Go to the final page of the Gospel of Mark. That would be Mark chapter 16. Let's read verse 15. Same Jesus, same disciples. Mark, Mark 16, verse 15, and Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, to all creation. Well, let's go to the book of Luke. And again, we have to go to the last page, Luke chapter 24. Five different books, five separate passages, the mission. So Luke 24 should be the last page of Luke in your Bible. Luke chapter 24, what verse is this? This is verse 46, same Jesus, same disciples. And he told them, verse 46, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Pre-synoptics, we got them. How about the fourth gospel, John? Well, let's just go to the end of John, John chapter 20. The resurrected Christ. The, the disciples are stunned. They, they, they cannot believe what appears before them. It's Jesus. He's risen and he speaks. Isn't it something? First words out of his mouth. John 20, 21. And again, Jesus said to the disciples, Shalom, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, how's it go? I'm sending you. There's only one left. How about Acts? Turn one page. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Also red letters. Here it comes. But you, Jesus, this is just before he is snatched into that cloud and leaves. Just before the ascension. But you, disciples, followers of mine, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. I promise you the mission. It'll be yours. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the mission. Five commanding iterations from the lips of Christ Jesus himself, the Lord of this rebel planet. He says, you follow me? I have a mission for you. What's the mission? Take the gospel. What's the gospel mean? Let me show you the Greek word for the gospel. What's the gospel mean? Take this to all the world. Let's put it on the screen. Euangelion. That's the uh, Greek word, euangelion. It's put into English letters there. Uh, You, good, angelion, message. So it means good message or good news. Now I want you to look at the first six letters of that Greek word. The first six letters. Can you see an English word in the first six letters? Yeah, turn the U to a V and what do you have? Yeah, let's put it on the screen. Evangel, what's evangel? The evangel is good news. So when you are evangelizing, what's that? You are sharing the good news. So when you have evangelism, what's that? Put it on the screen. Bad news. 
I mean, come on, in a university community like this, evangelism, bad news. We don't do evangelism, let me tell you. What, 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 what happened to those words? We had good news there going for, uh, you know what happened? Sinclair Lewis. You English major, Sinclair Lewis, that little book of his, Elmer Gantry. Who's he? He's this huckster, itinerant evangelist who's bigger on wine, women, and wealth and turns the good news into a travesty. And so we sophisticates have grown up believing that that is just something you don't do when you're educated. Are you crazy? Evangelism is simply the act of communicating the good news. It's evangelizing. It's the evangel. And what's so good about the good news? I like the way uh, Mark Rutland put it. He wrote about a survey of Americans in which they were asked, what words, I shared this a few months ago with some of you, what words do they most love to hear? And you guessed it, the number one words that Americans love to hear, I love you. Why not? Number two, I forgive you. Why not? Number three, the third of Americans, the third most loved words, Supper's ready. <laughs> yeah, we love, we love coming home, don't we? When you're homeless, you want to go home. Mark Wilton says, you know what? We got the gospel right there. God loves us. God forgives us. And then he says, come to a supper I'm having where you'll be homeless no more. It's the gospel. Philip Yancey, commenting on the good news of the gospel. Let me put Yancey's words on the screen for you. In the midst of a planet marked by brokenness, violence... Oh, mercy. You follow the news this week? At, oh, don't even bring it up. This is the world we live in now. It's just, pass the potatoes, please, after the headline's gone. I've got to keep eating. We just live with this now. Yancey writing, in the midst of a planet marked by brokenness, violence, natural disasters, ruptured relationships, the gospel is truly good news. And I love this simile. Like an iPod listener dancing in a subway station full of glum commuters, a Christian hears a different sound of joy and laughter on the other side of pain and death. The good news of the gospel. We hear other music, and we can even move to that music. Okay, let me put the verse on the screen, but let's say it out loud. Without looking at the screen, John 3, 16, this is the gospel. Let's say it out loud together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the good news. But the question is, do we really understand the magnitude of what we just recited? We've learned it since we were kids. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. But we, got to, we have to remember, the, you know who the only Son is? He's the one they called Jesus. And Jesus said when, when, we met him for the, when we met Jesus, He said, listen, if you've seen me, you have seen, you've seen the Father. For the Father and I, the Father and I are one. We're not the same. We are one. This is the same Jesus stretches out his nail-scarred hands, and he, he, he cries out, come to me, you are worn out, just burned out. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. And by the way, this is the same Jesus who said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's what Jesus says. Whoever comes to me, I don't care what you've done. I don't care, I don't care who you are or who you are not. I don't care how evil or messed up your life may be. I don't care if your name is James Egan Holmes. You know who that name is? The Colorado movie theater shooter? 
Just sentenced this week to 12 consecutive life sentences plus 3,318 years tacked on just in case you outlive the 12. I don't care if you're James Egan Holmes. Anybody who comes to me, you come to me. We were talking to the freshman the other night. Friday night we were together a week ago. And we, took, we looked at God as the divine auctioneer. God says, listen, you come to me. You just raised your little pinky. I'm looking for an excuse to save you, not lose you. That's what the good news is. Sold to the guy on that last bench in this sanctuary. I saw your pinky. That's the good news. Good news. I want you to look at this verse. One more verse to look up. John's, John 6, 37. We've just been talking about it, but I want you to see it for yourself. Circle it in your Bible. This is the gospel. Red letters. Everything today is red letters. This is John 6, verse 37. Jesus speaking. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I don't care who you are, what you've done. You raise a finger in my direction. I'll never cast you out. I carry some words in my Bible. You'll get it in the study guide. It's already there. Uh, Of all these words, whoever wrote these words, boy, was was she right about the gospel or what? I'll put her words on the screen. Her name happens to be Ellen White. Take a look at these words. The message from God to me for you. She's writing a letter to somebody. I got some good news for you, boy. Hey, girl, I got some good news for you. The message from God to me for you is him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. If you have nothing else, now hold on, hold on. If you have nothing else to plead before God but this one promise from your Lord and Savior, you have the assurance. If there was only one verse in the Bible, that was John 6, 37, you have the assurance that you will never, never... By the way, Jesus in his uh, text, John 6, 37, it's a, double, it's a double negative in the Greek. You, anyone who comes to me, I will no, not ever cast out. Double negative. In case you missed it the first time, I'm giving it to you the second time. Interestingly, this author also uses a double negative. You will never, never be turned away. Oh, keep reading. It may seem to you that you're hanging upon a single promise, but don't worry. Appropriate that one promise, and it will open to you the whole treasure house of the riches of the grace of Christ. Cling to that promise, and you are safe. She who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. One more line. Present this one promise to Jesus. You're coming to the pearly gates, you just present this one promise to Jesus, and you are as safe as though inside, already inside the city. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not get any better than that. One promise. You want that promise? You're there. One promise. That's the good news. You just ask. I'll give it to you. I'm not trying to play hard to get. I'm not trying to lose you. I'm trying to save you. Ask me. You have it. Wow. And if it's good news to us, because we asked Him one day, once upon a time, maybe you've never asked Him. Maybe you're here today and you have never invited Jesus into your life. I got good news for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to invite Him into your life. Why not? What are you waiting for? The news can't get any better than this. It's yours. But Jesus says, look it, you got it, now share it. It was good to you, it'll be good to others. We're talking about blessed reciprocity, when we were together as faculty, we talked about blessed reciprocity, freely you've received, freely give. 
Give it. Take this good news to anyone who has yet to hear it. So, I want to share with you now, and then I'll sit down. Just seven of these, and I'm sitting down. Seven reasons. Seven reasons. Take your, take your study guide out, please, because you'll need the study guide. Seven reasons why the mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission. That's your life. The mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission. That's it. You got a study guide in your uh, worship bulletin? Pull it out. Let's just fly through these. Just seven of them. Uh, we got some friendly ushers here. You didn't get one? Hold your hand up. And the ushers, we got ushers in the back already moving. We got ushers up here. If you didn't get it, you'll want these seven. So just hold your hand up. They'll come right by you. And let's go. Let's put the, uh, put the uh, website on the screen, please. Those of you that are watching on a screen right now, you're live streaming with us. We're glad to have you. Uh, if you go to, to uh, this new series, The Pugwash Factor, click on to the first message, How to Turn Mission into Possible, you'll get the same study guide. You'll have the same seven reasons. All right, up in the balcony, good. You've got it up there, too. All right, let's go. Seven reasons why the mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission. Reason number one, because you were made for mission. You were made for mission. God had a purpose in mind when the divine architect shaped you to fit perfectly into your mother's womb. How'd you do that? He did it. You fit perfectly into her. And when he put you in her, he said, when that boy is born, when that girl is born, I got, I have a mission for you, should you choose to accept it. This is your mission. Look at this. Jot it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, the today's English version. I love this. Paul writing, Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. You had a mission when you were born. Hey, find friends for me. You're my friend. Would you find others for me? St- that classic, Steps to Christ. I love this. No sooner... Does one come to Christ and there is born in her heart, in his heart, a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found in Jesus. The saving, sanctifying truth can't be shut up. We shall seek to present to them, these people who don't have the good news, the attractions of Christ and the unseen realities of the world to come. Look, if you've got a gift, aren't you going to tell somebody about it? Let's say, let's just say that registration is over a few days ago, but let's say you went to registration. Oh, if this only had happened. And you found out that an anonymous donor had put $200,000 into your account here at Andrews University. Wow, that'd cover one year. That'd be great. You could cover that first year. You wouldn't have to pay for it. No, that would cover four years plus living expenses and a few trips to Taco Bell. We got it all right here for you. But it's an anonymous donor. Would you be telling everybody you knew? You would be telling everybody on this campus. It would be in the student movement next week. Guess what? Anonymous donor, $200,000. But if the donor reveals his, his identity to you, and now you know his name, what are you telling everybody? You're talking about the donor by name and saying, he did this for me. What might he do for you? That's it. I give you a task. What I've done for you, you do for others, please. It's good news, right? Of course, it's good news. All right, reason number two why the mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission. Number two, because your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. (laughs) And we just read it, Matthew. But I love the message rendition of Matthew. Let's put that on the screen. Jesus said, hey, go out. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, and I'll be 
with you. Those are the two key words in the last line of Matthew. I will be with you. By the way, I've left. I'm up there getting a place ready for you when you come. But I will be with you through my mighty spirit. I will be with you. That's why, by the way, it's called a co-mission. We don't do it ourselves. It's co. We do it with him. I am with you. And I love the way Peterson finishes this. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Desire of Ages, jot this down. It is in working to spread the good news of salvation that we are brought near to the Savior. You want to grow closer to Jesus this new year? Thank you, worship team, for that, that appeal. Draw me near. Draw near. That, who, who, did, who didn't resonate with that? I want to be near to Jesus this year, don't you? The, when you exercise the mission, shh, nothing will bring you closer to him than your life mission. All right, reason number three. Why, why, why is this mission a big deal? Because your mission is a wonderful privilege. That's why. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. I love this. We are workers. Paul writing. We are workers together with whom? With whom? With God. Can you believe it? Almighty God, while he was shaping you to fit into your mother's tummy, Almighty God is saying, I can hardly wait for this girl to be born. I can hardly wait for this boy to be born and grow up because I am going to get to work with him. We have a mission together. Privilege? Are you kidding? Wow. A wonderful privilege. Ellen White, let me put her words on the screen. As I have thought of that cup, she's thinking about Gethsemane in this particular uh, writing near the end of her life. As I have thought of that cup trembling in the hands of Christ, so she's in Gethsemane now, as I have realized that he might have refused to drink. Okay, I'm not going to drink this, Father. I'm not drinking this. I can't. He might have refused to drink and left the world to perish in its sin. I have pledged that every energy of my life should be devoted to the work of winning souls for him. When you know that an anonymous donor has set you free forever and ever, I'll do whatever the donor needs. My life has been set up by him for success. Wow. Reason number four. Why the mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission. Because telling others how they can have eternal life is the greatest thing you can do for them. Bar none. The greatest thing. Now, handing out a million dollars of registration to everybody who comes, that's not the greatest thing you can do for people. That'll only get them through this life. That's nothing. When you share the gospel, the good news, you are giving them, you are introducing them to the one who will give them eternal life, the Savior. You know what that means? That means until your roommate... You know the roommate they, you have? Yeah. Until your roommate, until your neighbor, until your friends find Jesus. Now listen, this is hard to say, but it's true. Until they find Jesus, they are lost. Lost. Nobody goes but through Christ himself. That's pretty somber. You're going to a public university, are you? You're watching right now. You don't even have the money to come to a private school like this. You're going to a public university. That godless professor of yours, if he doesn't meet your Savior, he's lost forever. I mean, this, 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 is, this, is, this is big stuff. This is the greatest thing you can do for a human being is to say, I want you to meet my not anonymous donor. He's ready, to, he's ready for you. Wow. 
You say, oh, do I, you don't know my roommate. You talk about the kid across the street, across the hallway. <laughs> you have not seen a life as messed up as that. Please. I got something to share with you. Desire of ages, put it on the screen. Look at this. Maybe this is talking about you. Jesus knows the circumstances of every soul. You may say, I am sinful, very sinful. You may be, but the worse you are, I love this, the worse you are, the more you need Jesus. He turns no weeping contrite one away. He doesn't tell to any all that he might reveal, but he bids, he bids every trembling soul take courage. Jot this down. Freely will he pardon all. A-L-L. Doesn't matter what he's like. Doesn't matter what she's like. Freely he will pardon all who come to him for forgiveness and restoration. Reason number five. There are only seven of these. Here comes number five. Why is my life mission supposed to be the mission of my life? Because your mission has eternal significance. The clock is ticking, folks. <laughs> Please. You know, ever watch, ever watch CBS 60, 60 Minutes? That's the clock on all of us. Jesus speaking, red letter words, John 9, fill this in, please. New Living Translation. All of us, Jesus says, must quickly carry out the tasks, the mission assigned us by the one who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. Do you suppose God knows we're running out of time? Do you suppose God knows that America is running out of time? Where's the moral clock on America? What about the economic clock? Do you know how close we came to an economic meltdown this week? You're having a grand old time at Andrews University this week, and the world comes to the precipice. It was pulled back. Sad do I come on? I'm 21. <laughs> I got time. I don't have to get serious about this mission. You only have this life, and I'm not going to tell you how many 21-year-olds. I have buried. No way. There's no way that any age gets a pass. Oh, you're young enough. You got time, girl. Boy, you got time. You don't have time. This life is all you have. If you're going to exercise this mission, it's now. It's your life now. You can't put it off. Reason number six. No, I left out a quotation. Sorry. Christ Object Lessons. This is good. All of heaven, by the way, is ready to go when you're ready. Christ Object Lessons, put it on the screen, please. In this work, all the angels of heaven are ready to cooperate. All the resources of heaven are at the command of those who are on the mission, who are seeking to save the lost. Angels will help you reach the most careless and the most hardened. You're not in this alone. Everybody up there is saying, go, boy, go, girl. We're in it with you, but you have to do this. We can't do it. You do it. They'll believe you faster than they'll believe us. Wow. Reason number six. Why should my life mission be the mission of my life? Because your mission gives your life meaning. That's why. The American writer, psychologist William James put his words on the screen. The best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. If you're spending your life on only what's now, if that's all you're... It's just for now. I got to have a great now. You're crazy. James is right. Something that outlasts your life. That's what you invested in. That's what Paul's saying here. Acts chapter 20, 24. Put it on the screen. Fill it in. New Living Translation. Paul says, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And then Rick Warren. 
in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. I got these seven from uh, my friend, my Baptist friend, Rick. I put a little Adventist adaptation to them. But these are his words now. Put it on the screen. If you fail to fulfill your God-given mission on earth, you will have wasted the life God gave you. There are people on this planet. Now listen up. There are people on this planet whom only you will be able to reach because of where you live or because of what God has made you to be. If just one person will be in heaven because of you, your life will have made a difference for eternity. And that Baptist pastor is right. Christ's object lessons. It is the privilege of every soul to be a living channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of His grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's our calling, the mission. We were born for this. It's your legacy. All right, number seven. This is it. Reason number seven why the mission of your life is to fulfill your life mission because... God's timetable for history's ending is connected to the completion of our commission. We got to do it. That's what Jesus is saying. Red letter words on the screen, please. Matthew 24, 14, jot it down. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Somehow, when you realize that this planet cannot go on forever, and most thinking people on this planet now recognize that. When you realize that we're living with a dwindling commodity called time for the human race, life just is not the same. This book, Desire of Ages, captures that very thinking today. Put it, your last quotation on the screen, those who watch for the Lord's coming and not to wait in idle expectancy. With vigilant watching, they combine earnest working. Now, here it goes. Because... Because they know that the Lord is at. Would you write that down? Because they know that the Lord is at the door, that Jesus is coming soon, followers of Christ, their zeal is quickened to cooperate with the divine intelligences and in working for the salvation of souls. End quote. When you sense that the world is running out of time, something takes hold of you. And that's the reason for the title, The Pugwash Factor. You just saw it a moment ago. I wrote about it in today's blog. You have it there. Don't read it now. The pugwash factor, the compelling narrative of Albert Einstein and Bertrand Russell and some of the brightest thinkers in the world. 1955, after the two atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan, 1955, something, something must be done. So we're calling it not their words, it's our words. The Pugwash Factor. Pugwash, Nova Scotia. Karen and I were there this summer. This is an obscure little village on the eastern edge of Canada. But what history? 1957, scientists, philosophers, thinkers from all over the world, 10 Nobel laureates included, gathered in Pugwash, Nova Scotia. And they are driven by a single mantra. I'm going to put that mantra on the screen. This is, what, this is why they met. Take a look at this. Here's their mantra. Given the urgency of the times, shouldn't we scientists, shouldn't we thinkers, shouldn't we be doing something to warn the world? The nuclear age has pushed, pushed us to the precipice of eternity. Shouldn't we be doing something? 
Call it the pugwash factor. Keep the words up and just change, tweak the ending, will you? Given the urgency of the times, shouldn't we be doing something to tell the world about this Jesus who is coming soon? That's why you have the mission with the brightest minds on earth saying, we got to do something or we're dead. We have the same mission. Only it does not end in a mushroom cloud. Our mission ends in eternity, and there are people dying for the good news that you have. This new year at Andrews University, let the mission be our mission. What do you say? Come on. You got a roommate? You got a friend? You got a colleague? You got a student in your class that you know is godless and is an atheist? You got somebody nearby that needs the good news? You got a neighbor? This year, this is the year for the mission. Oh, and by the way, the next time you're in Honolulu, please make sure that you look up Diana Kim either at her photo studio or her law offices, and you ask her this question. Would you mind doing this when you're there? Just ask her this question. Are you glad you went back to find that homeless stranger that day? And then you wait for her answer. Because I don't know what it will be, but I predict all she will do is pull out a picture for you to look at, a picture that looks like that. Because when you discover that the lost are your family, why wouldn't you hurry back to find them with the good news they can come home now? Now. Pull out your Connect card, will you? please, before we pray. What do we do with this, the mission? I see we have guests here. We're always delighted that you're here, whoever you are. Fill out the front of the card with what you're comfortable with. We do this every week. And so the regulars, students who've been here, no, get to the back. And we call the back side of the card my next step today. And the ushers see are moving because they're going to receive the card right now. My next step today is I thank God for the good news and I want to share it. I want to put a check mark there, don't you? Why not? Why not? I want to share it, don't you? Uh, box number two, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior and be baptized. I told you I'd give an invitation. This was it. If you've never been baptized, you have never come to Jesus publicly, I want to give you an invitation right now. Put a check mark there. If you put your email address on the front, we'll be in touch with you by email. Nobody's going to come and say, you've got to join this church. You gotta. No, we just want to, we want to assist you. We want you to be able to have the good news. We want the anonymous donor to be your friend too because then he's not anonymous and he'll change your life. You will never be the same for the good. It's good news, remember? It's good news. Put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you. Number three, I want to invite my friends to hear Ty Gibson. Please send me more information. Ty Gibson, two weeks from right now, Ty one of the great writers in our community of faith, I'm telling you that the boy has been gifted to the max. He's going to be standing right here, public speaker all over the world. We lined him up. And for seven nights and seven days, he is going to, with this campus, he is going to reveal, remind us how great the good news really is. You're going to be blessed in a max. But you, listen, it's not just for you. If you know somebody, be thinking, okay, i got two weeks. This is the easiest way to do your mission, just to bring somebody. That's, we'll put something in the bulletin next week. You can just hand it to them. I want to invite my friends to hear Ty Gibson 
Send me more info, but put, a, put an email address and we'll, we'll give you the particulars. And finally, I want to learn how to share my faith. Please send me information regarding a new grow group on witnessing. We've got 76 grow groups. We've never had this. This is wonderful. 76 grow groups ready to go. You'll get the menu in either next Sabbath, probably the Sabbath after, this catalog. But there's one devoted to, sh- to sharing the good news. If you want just a little coaching, just be people like you who all want to get out, how do we share this good news? Put a check mark there. We'll send you the information. We're not signing you up, but we'll send you the information. Then you can make the choice. We're on the cusp of a new year. The mission this year is the mission. I want to pray with you before we, re- we end our service with one of these glorious, this is our tradition here, we end the service with standing together and singing the Lord's Prayer. But I want to pray with you before that. And then we need to receive these cards from you. Let's pray. Oh, God, the good news, it doesn't get any better than this. The man who went to Calvary is the eternal God Himself, and He says, I've been an anonymous donor in your life. I've been providing everything for you. I'd love to get to know you. Father, with the good news like that, don't let us sit on it, please. What are we living for? Just this life? It's over. The brightest minds on earth? No. But take us and may the mission become alive for us. And over these next few Sabbaths, shape the mission in us. Give us some technique. Give us a skill that we'll be comfortable with. But may the good news first be good news here. And for every man and woman and young adult who's put a check mark, a teenager, I want to follow Jesus in baptism. Seal that decision. Thank you for that quiet decision. Honor it. Seal it. Move them however long they wish, but move them to that day. We return our morning tithes and offerings. We've received much. We give to you out of gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.